welcome to Cornwall Insights podcast with Heat Trust. Today we're talking about heat network zoning following the consultation published by Desnes in December 2023. What impact this might have on consumers and how it could deliver for consumers. My name is Kate Hill. I'm a lead research analyst at Cornwall Insight. And I'm joined today by Stephen Knight, Managing Director at Heat Trust. Hello, Kate. So yes, I, I should introduce myself. I'm Stephen Knight, as you said, and I lead Heat Trust, which is the national consumer protection scheme for heat networks. We run a sort of voluntary regulation scheme in advance of Ofgem taking over regulating the sector, cover about one in 10 heat network customers across Great Britain. And we also act as a consumer champion for the heat network sector. So uh, really pleased to be part of this podcast today. Great, thanks Stephen. So we're in the midst of a challenge to achieve net zero by 2050, but obviously also to make our power supply and GB more robust and resilient. Um, all the while reducing our resilience on fossil fuels imported from other often volatile global markets. So as heating is responsible for around 20% of the UK's greenhouse gas emissions, decarbonising the heat in buildings will be essential. So heat networks go some way to providing a solution to this challenge. Currently, they provide around 3% of total UK heat, but they could provide up to 20% of total UK heat by 2050, according to Desnes. Heat network zoning particularly is how the government plan to establish and accelerate heat networks across England. So this consultation in December 2023 wasn't the first time the government has consulted on heat network zoning. It first consulted on it in 2021. And in that, it considered the main elements of the zoning framework and informed the drafting of measures in the Energy Act 2023, uh, which will provide powers to the government to introduce regulations about heat network zoning. So this Energy Act 2023 introduces authorisation and licensing regimes to be administered by Ofgem, with the latter granting uh, heat network developers the same statutory development powers that other utilities have. So the measures will also ensure that heat network customers pay a fair price for their heat and that their heat networks conform to minimum technical standards. Consumers will also be protected if their heat supply goes out of business. And it's this latest consultation looks to inform the drafting of these zoning regulations. Stephen, could you expand on why this consultation um, that came out in December is important, what it means for consumers and who will be the main bodies um, overseeing zoning? Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think it's important to to see this in in the in the wider context. As you said, you know, we have to decarbonize heating um, by 2050 at the very latest, and we're very reliant on gas boilers um, for for heating at the moment uh, for most homes in the UK. Um, so the idea of rolling out district heating as particularly in, in urban centres, but uh, more generally across uh, our, our population, is one that has a great many attractions for how to decarbonise heating. It enables you, to, for instance, to take heat from waste heat sources and use that to heat homes. And it also enables investment in relatively high cost um Forms of low carbon heating, for instance, uh, ground source heat pumps, which require sort of groundworks, which can be high capital cost. You, it enables that that cost, that capital cost to be shared across a wider population in a way that makes it more cost effective for individual consumers rather than everybody having to do their own ground array or ground uh, boreholes and so on. And not everybody can, of course. And so um, district heating does provide some really key advantages in order to enable us uh, to decarbonize our heating. But it's really important that it's done 
in a way which protects consumers and ensures that consumers get a good deal from this. Zoning, um, I think, sets out a legal framework for government and local government more particular to start planning out the decarbonisation of heating through district heating on a on a zone by zone local area. And these zones can be as, as small as, as a very small area or they can be as big as a whole city. And indeed, in many parts of Europe, we see district heating providing heat to entire city areas. And this could be the model in the future in the UK. And that's the challenge, I think, that that zoning sets out for us and, and provides a model for. Um, so it's a very exciting time. And it's a, a time that will really require, I think, both central government and local governments to engage very heavily in this process of planning and delivering almost like a new utility to British homes. Great, thank you. The idea of heat network zoning is to set out the best places to develop heat networks and the areas where heat networks are expected to be the lowest cost, low carbon solution. How can it be made an attractive option so that it costs no more than having a standard electricity and gas supply? Well, I think there were two points here, aren't there? I mean, if we if we're to decarbonize all of our heating, then in a sense, you know, continuing with a gas boiler is not going to be an option indefinitely. I mean, it will be for for some decades to come. In many cases, many of us will will keep our gas boilers, no doubt. But eventually, we'll all have to move away to a low carbon form of heating. And so, the, the choice open to us will effectively be either to have a, a localized individual heat pump, and that may work in, for some. For some home owners, or it's most likely to be a connection to a district heat system where we've, you know, we may be fed either a mixture of waste heat or heat from communal, uh, communally provided heat pumps. And I think it's at that point that one has to look at, you know, what is the lowest cost, most cost effective way of providing that alternative. And you're quite right, there will be an issue whereby the, the timing won't necessarily be right between somebody having to shift from a gas boiler to a heat pump at one on one uh, side of this and a heat network zone being rolled out. And it may be that, you know, one of the things that will have to be considered is at what stage home will have to connect to a district heat system. Um, to ensure that it isn't having to do it before it would otherwise have to uh, to switch to a heat pump. But I mean, it is essential, I think, that consumers get the best possible deal out of this transition. And if we are to move to low carbon heating in a way which consumers accept and embrace, then it has to be good for consumers. Great, thank you. So new national consumer protection rules um, are also due to apply to heat networks inside heat network zones from 2025 following a, a consultation in August last year 2023 um, on heat network consumer protections the results of of which we're, we're still waiting for. Um, so these rules are expected to include guaranteed transparency on prices for all consumers, the ability for zone coordinators to require heat networks, charge certain prices to consumers within zones um, and controls on the cost that buildings must pay to connect to heat networks. Is there a chance that zoning might come in ahead of these protections, these consumer protections for heat? I think it's unlikely. Um, I think you're right. So there will be a, a range of consumer protections that are going to come in under Ofgem's oversight, which will essentially put 
consumers of heat from heat networks on a level playing field with consumers of gas and electricity now you know in terms of consumer protections and that that's long overdue and it's something that many existing heat network customers have you know suffered from not having those protections in place up until now um, certainly for those heat networks that aren't registered with the heat trust scheme because we we already provide those kind of protections um, in, to a large extent but but they will apply and they will apply whether you're in a heat network zone or not as you said though there will be some key differences if you're in a heat network zone in that the zone coordinator who in most instances will be the local authority that that coordinates the zone activity they will have the power to set some pricing rules around the cost of heat in that zone on which if if you like go beyond the the general fair pricing rules that Ofgem sets for all heat networks and I think it's really interesting to um, to think about how local authorities might use those new powers to ensure that in the context of their local area customers get a really good deal and and are getting heat at a preferably lower price than, than they're paying through other other means but certainly at no higher cost and I think there's also some rules that will be set both nationally and potentially locally I think in zones around the cost for buildings to connect to those zones because it's one thing to set the price of heat that, that a district heat system will provide but if the cost of connecting your home to that network is very high then obviously that's a, another cost for consumers which which needs to be controlled so there will be some national rules I believe around those costs but also I think the zone coordinator has a role in terms of ensuring that those costs are kept low and in indeed that they're you know set in a way that individual consumers find you know don't affect their affordability and their ability to connect so i think you know there's there's a range of changes for consumers a range of protections planned but ultimately i think as part as with all parts of the transition to, to net zero we have to ensure that consumers are front and center of this process and that their interests are paramount Right, so the, the proposed regulatory model for heat network regulation, obviously subject to ongoing consultation, excludes large and non-domestic consumers um, from any form of consumer protection and micro-businesses have a, a slightly lower level of protection than domestic consumers. Do you think that including them in the consumer protection would give them more confidence to connect to a heat network, knowing that there are regulatory protections um, if, for instance, the quality of the service isn't sufficient? Yes, I think this is really interesting because commercial energy uh, customers traditionally haven't been subject to consumer protections that you know domestic customers like you and I get with our gas and electricity and indeed the protections that micro businesses get as well and that's because larger non-domestic customers are assumed if you like through their the scale of their purchasing power to be in a more powerful situation than you and I and therefore we can essentially leave it up to their them to contractually agree with the energy supply or the heat supplier in this case you know reasonable arrangements and re reasonable agreements around things like price and uh, supply standards and so on the difference with a heat network zone is that there could be mandation for them to connect so they may have a legal obligation to connect to the to the district heat system and I think in the case of a mandated connection in particular, then it, it really does, if you like, remove their bargaining power, however big they might be, in terms of agreeing a price and, and agreeing certain supply standards. And I think, therefore, there is an argument 
that in the case of zones, that some kind of mechanism to protect even larger non-domestic customers might well be appropriate. Now, that might be around agreeing a price, some kind of arbitration scheme, or it might even be about, as I say, things like supply standards. What kind of compensation does that customer get when the supply um, goes down for any period, for instance? And those are the sort of things where potentially the zone coordinator might take a role, I think, in future in arbitrating. At the moment, I think it's still open to consultation about how that's going to work and what protections may or may not be in place. But I do think that there is an argument that's slightly different in the case of mandation in a zone. Great, thank you. So the consultation says the zone coordinator should always incorporate a representative or expertise from each of the following a consumer group, local business group, heat network expertise, and building developers and other relevant groups. What setup do you think this might entail and why do you think it's important to have consumer groups and local businesses as part of this kind of representation? I think if you're going to get buy-in from consumers and when I say consumers that includes both residents and domestic consumers and and also you know business consumers of of heat then I think they have to be they have to be involved they have to be consulted they have there has to be engagement with them at every stage of planning this um, it's very difficult to imagine uh, you know politically local government and central government doing doing this to society doing the decarbonization of heat to society with without customers being brought on that journey and being supportive of it so i think it really is important that there is engagement both at central government and at local government level and clearly the zone coordinators are going to be local authorities and local authorities already do a lot of engagement with residents and with local businesses so i don't think that should be too much of an issue for them as i I say i think it's it's inevitable it's got to happen i think we already do see this in the development of district heating schemes um, around the country today that local government will engage quite closely with residents and with local businesses in in the planning and development of these and and try and bring them along that journey and 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 get them to support what's happening because it will involve quite a lot of change for them okay great thanks Stephen so we're now joined by George Munson energy and climate change manager at Leeds City Council Leeds City Council has been one of the government's pilot authorities for heat network zoning. George, could you give us a bit of an overview of your role and work regarding heat networks and zoning? Sure. So, yeah, my my role is um, developing district heating generally across the across the city. So, I've led the um, procurement, build, and now operation of the Leeds Pipes heat network, which we think is probably the the largest um, or the quickest growing heat network in the UK. It's got around 2,000 flats and uh, a dozen commercial sites connected and um, around about 40 more inquiries going through the development uh, development cycle. Could you tell us a bit more about the Leeds Pipes project and how the pilot's going, what the difference between that and what the government's proposing regarding heat networks and zoning? Sure. So I suppose ours is a, a forerunner to, um, to to zoning proposals in that we identified a kind of strategic opportunity and and need, and identified the local authorities, the the body best placed uh, to develop the network. So Leeds Pipes grew out of our needs to build an energy for waste plant in the in in the city to deal with our residual residual waste. We took the opportunity to put a, a clause in the contract with Veolia, who built that for us, um, to allow us to develop district heating. Uh, we triggered that clause in about 2017 um, to build a network that served 
about 2000 our own council flats um, as a way to take out the universally unloved storage heaters and put something much, much better in. But we very much saw that as the first step in the journey that we designed the network to be oversized so that we could then over time provide heat to more of our own buildings and to the commercial buildings around the, around the city as well. Uh, we're now at the end of our third phase of development, um, which involved connecting quite a number of new developments as well as other city partners like the university, hospital, colleges, schools and um, a range of offices around the city. Great. And where do you see the role of local authorities in zoning and the strategic planning of heat district heating going forward? So it's, it's a really critical role, I think, that local authorities understand their areas well. We currently have planning powers and highways powers, so we're ideally placed to make um, district heating a, a reality and to make it a reality in a way that respects the other pressures on um, streets and, and building owners and developers in, the, in, our, in our cities. So I think the, the zoning coordinator role is a, is a really important one that we can um, work with government to set appropriate zones. We can work with heat sources and buildings in our cities um, to make sure that zoning is delivered in a way that's um, ultimately beneficial to them. But then for me, we also have an interesting role in that we're an existing heat network provider. Um, so we are keen to make sure that zoning allows us to, to build out from the Leeds Pipes network in a way that really efficiently gets district heating across the whole of the city. Right, so was it um, notes in the December consultation, so the annual cost of the zone coordinator teams in local government are due to be in the millions of pounds. Ultimately, it will place costs on consumers and through higher bills and taxes and things like that. Are there any funding options you think that would better suit consumers when it comes to keeping costs down for zoning? So I think I think there's probably, well, there's certainly a need for central government support for uh, zone coordinators in the early days to get them up and up and running. But ultimately, it shouldn't be a particularly onerous role for local authorities. There's, there's a, a chunk of effort to get zones set up and then there's um, much lighter touch once we've got into the delivery phase to, to liaise with, with building owners. And I think ultimately the, the benefit should come from the number of buildings that are connected to district heating provided with lower cost, lower carbon heat, and actually beating the counterfactuals of air source heat pumps or ground source heat pumps. It, it should be macroeconomic wise uh, beneficial to the consumers. Um, and then it's just a case of making sure that regulations are designed in such a way that that benefit is, is the cost and benefits appropriate, uh, are passed on appropriately. Okay, so the government is also um, proposing a requirement on certain buildings to um, connect to a heat network. So new buildings, existing um, communally heated buildings and some existing uh, non-domestic, non-communally heated buildings. The suggestions about making buildings that are undergoing significant refurbishment to be heat network ready, obviously that would bear additional costs to make them heat network ready and um, for connection as well to heat networks, who would bear the the cost of the the additional costs that they will face? So I, I suppose we need to kind of look at the situation now with that that sort of question. In that um, we're already actively connecting into new developments and existing buildings, and it's all about identifying the right point in the project cycle. So for for new buildings, it's, it's dead easy. They have a choice of putting in some kind of heat generation kits. We can do a very 
yeah, relatively simple calculations look at counterfactual versus district heating and using whole life costing district heating is almost invariably cheaper um, so really beneficial to the um, to the customer for existing buildings it's really all about identifying when their heat the heat generating equipment is coming towards the end of economic life so again when we do the calculations the cost of um, replacing with a low carbon heating solution versus district heating district heating wins out almost every single time so I think there's the thing that zoning does is provide the certainty for district heating developers that if they build a network, then there will be buildings that will connect to that over time. I think actually in reality, the mandating will be uh, an option of last resort. Most buildings, once they're engaged through the process and the district heating network is in close proximity to them, they'll be motivated to, to connect through desire to reduce carbon and desire to reduce costs. Okay, so so um, you know, the government's talked about trying to increase the proportion of uh, British homes that are heated to district heating from something like three percent today up to twenty percent by twenty fifty. Um, you've looked at the potential in in your local authority area in Leeds. How big do you think the potential is? So it 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 is it is huge. We think that the networks will will grow quite naturally initially to cover uh, larger commercial buildings, but we expect over time that there there will be incentives for individual homes to connect. So I can see a future quite easily where fifty percent of the the city is covered by district heating with homes connected into that network within the next twenty or thirty years. Great. Thank you to our guests today, Stephen Knight from Heat Trust and George Munson from Leeds City Council. Hopefully this has given you, our listeners, some further insights into heat networks and zoning and the impact on consumers. If you want to find out more about any of the points discussed today, then please feel free to contact myself at Cornwall Insight or Stephen Knight at Heat Trust. Thank you for listening. (music) 